Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is May 9th, 2018. So today we're going to be uh, talking with Sean Jack, the uh, tournament director of the San Francisco Open. And we will also be joined by Jay Redding, uh, one of the ranking members of the competition committee for the PDGA. And they will both be joining us and uh, and discussing the San Francisco Open. And uh, Jay is going to be discussing video replay and whether or not it should be used in PDGA events. So uh, that's going to be a really interesting topic. It's something that started to come up a little more and more. And uh, I know that uh, the golf world has had some some thoughts on that, uh, as have pretty much every other major sport. Time for disc golf to start thinking about it as well. And then uh, next week, so we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, next week, though, we will be joined by um, the Ladies of the Chains. And we have a couple of very exciting uh, announcements coming up, uh, some relating, to, relating directly to women's disc golf and some just uh, in general, the disc golf taking some steps forward. Uh, so stay tuned Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We've got announcements every day, and uh, and that's uh, just stay tuned because next Wednesday, uh, Pro Tour Talk is going to be a all star cast with Ladies of the Chains and uh, and some great women's disc golf conversation going on as well. But before we uh, before we get to Jay and Sean, we're going to do the uh, we're going to do the disc golf Pro Tour news, and then we will do the Ask Me Anything segment, and uh, and then we'll bring Sean into the conversation. So with that. Uh, running through the news in the Disc Golf Pro Tour world, obviously uh, Paige Pierce is a, a perfect 300. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ricky Wysocki recently bowled a 297, which is not a perfect 300. Paige Pierce, a perfect 300 through the first three events. Well done, Paige Pierce. Uh, the second article that we put out this last week uh, is about Pro Masters in the Pro Tour. Uh, for those of you who remember our conversation with Dave Feldberg, we kind of mapped out how uh, Pro Masters could work with the Pro Tour, and uh, and there's a it's a really good article about how to merge those two divisions, and in the long term, how to meld them into one and have the the Open division simply go all the way up to fifty. So uh, that's a really good article. If you have not read that, I strongly su- suggest going to the website, clicking on the news tab, and uh, reading that, and letting us know what you think because it's there. There's it's, it's a new concept. Uh, well, actually, Japan Open did it, but it's a new concept for us to try to integrate it in a lot of events and get to a point where all events are doing it and uh, Pro Masters potentially becomes a thing of the past. The third thing, uh, we did a, uh, we built a, an infographic, if you will, of our, of our live broadcast. It's a timeline of our live broadcast. It starts way back with the Vibram Open back in 2016, our very first event. The fact that we had Smashbox on board, we had UDisc on board, and we had a really good live broadcast concept, and it worked pretty well. Fast forward a couple of years, and we are, in my opinion, we're smashing it out of the park relative to where we were. And Smashbox and UDisc both continue to stay, take tremendous leaps forward and uh, and provide us better and better content. It's uh, it's great all around. And, and, uh, if I have time, I'm going to go ahead and hit into some of the highlights in that timeline. Uh, the third part here, uh, the test event Q and a, uh, we have a really good article. We, uh, we chatted with Alan Risley of goat Hill last week, and, uh, he was kind enough to write down a lot of those answers. So we included that Q and a as an article. And, uh, there's also going to be a link. 
I think it's coming out on Friday, it might be Thursday, about uh, if you want to run a Pro Tour event, what it would take. And uh, we have a, a form for you to fill out, tell us all the information about your event. And, uh, and you can actually look into running a Pro Tour event. And that's coming out Friday, I believe. But this test event Q&A is sort of a warm-up to that. Um, and with that, we will head into the um, into the Pro Tour Talk AMA. So we've got three good questions uh, this week. Well, we have three questions this week. They're all good. Um, but... No question is bad. If there's anything you want to know about the Pro Tour or about the way we do things or about rules questions that the, affect the Pro Tour, um, please go to dgpt.com slash AMA and ask me anything. Uh, I'm not going to be gun shy on any questions. Haven't turned down any questions before and it's not going to start anytime soon. So um, with that, we go to these questions. Here's the first question. Where do we go to claim any prizes from the Pro Tour Patreon Fantasy Disc Golf? So this is a great question. Um, we email all the winners of the Patreon Fantasy Disc Golf League. If you didn't get an email, check your spam filter, spam folder. Um, and then another clarification, Seth told me about this, is uh, that Skip Ace Fantasy is different than the Pro Tour Fantasy which is on the skip base page. So the pro tour fantasy is only about each of the pro tour events. So for example, the upcoming San Francisco open and then Utah and then D glow and idle wild and Ledgestone and MVP and the tour championship. It's not every event that skip Ace has. So that might be part of the confusion and reason for that question, but it does give me an opportunity to tell, <coughs> excuse me, to tell people to, uh, go to, uh, patreon.com slash dgpt if you'd like an opportunity to win some significant prizes we give away keen shoes and baskets and uh, hundreds of dollars worth of prizes every pro tour event and frankly we only have 130 or 140 patreons and probably only 30 or 40 percent of them compete so you've got really good chances <coughs> excuse me of winning the pro tour patreon fantasy league so a uh, great way to support the Pro Tour and potentially win some prizes because you can make some seriously good picks. So patreon.com slash DGPT. And if we have, if you can't find an email and you think that you've won, <coughs> the easiest way to contact us, if you don't know our emails, is to uh, contact, uh, contact us on, on Facebook. Uh, you can also email me, Stephen at DGPT.com, or Seth, who runs the Facebook League, Seth at DGPT.com. Number two, what do you feel are the best additions a tournament director can add to a tournament, uh, no matter the tier? So that's a great question. I genuinely appreciate that. Uh, I've been a TD of, of many X tiers and D tiers and C tiers and B tiers and A tiers, NTs, Pro Tours. Uh, as well as uh, the birdie bashes. Um, so the the biggest thing, in my opinion, to add to any event is food and a great party. If you tell people, if you tell people, hey, come on out to the tournament, we're going to provide a free lunch or after the tournament, we'll provide a free dinner and a great party 
or in between days. If it's a two day tournament, we're gonna have a great party. Um, if you can get a beer sponsor, get some free beer or some discounted beer and get people to come out and have a really good time. Make the disc golf event social, get people really excited to bond together and just have some great time talking. Uh, everybody had a, a spit out. Everybody had a, a shanked drive that they want to talk about having a nice social environment, social encounter after the event or in between rounds is, is in my opinion, one of the biggest things you can do to make a, a tournament a step above. Um, I talked to Seth about this tournament, this question, and he said there was an, an event, I believe it was in Mississippi, um, that offered breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and he said he really wanted to go cause the, you know, it's like 45 bucks to enter and you think that's 15 bucks a meal. Plus there's a tournament. So offer people breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that'll keep people staying after the event. So they'll eat their dinner. They'll be there for awards. That's in my opinion, that's a great thing. Just make the event social. Um, other things that are very fun are basket throw-offs and raffles. Um, always a great way to keep people around after a tournament or at the player's party. And again, making people interact with other people and having fun and being social and just good and positive way to uh, recreate. So uh, question number three, why is there an entry fee for the San Francisco open? Where does the money go? Is it going to the pro purse to offset tournament costs or just to the TD slash pro tours pockets? So, uh, as far as I know, there is a $10 fee to get in and we'll be having, we'll have Sean Jack on the show in just a little bit. So he can, uh, he can confirm this with us, but there's a $10 fee to get into the San Francisco open. Glen Eagles is a working golf course in San Francisco. As you can imagine, it's going to cost a pretty penny to rent a, uh, a golf course in San Francisco for three to four or five days. And, uh, and so the $10 fee is going to go, in my opinion, is going to go to help offset the rental of that property. Uh, there's an additional, I think there's an opportunity to become a VIP spectator of the San Francisco Open, which is $100. And that fee, let me click on this. And that fee uh, would, I think, allow you to play the Glen Eagles course. And this is, I think, the only way you can get to play the Glen Eagles course if you're not in the tournament. They'll let you get play the course the couple of days prior to the event, as well as get admission in all of the days and probably get some other uh, peripheral stuff that Sean will clarify with us later. That is, uh, that is where that stands. Um, and that's, that's the reason that there is a fee. And, and uh, when Sean comes in, we'll have a good conversation with him about that. And with that, let's uh, let's bring in Sean Jack from the San Francisco Open. Great to see you. And uh, we are all very excited for the San Francisco Open, which happens in just uh, just next week, is it? Yeah, I just went to the DGPT website, and I think it's uh, 15 days and hours is the countdown. So, yeah, very, very <laughs> close. Although our event in earnest starts on Tuesday, um, where we'll be hosting doubles at Golden Gate Park. Um, which is the free course that we have about 20 minutes away from Glen Eagles. Uh, oh, and that's on Tuesday. Yeah. So Tuesday afternoon, we, the golden gate park, uh, the stuff, the uh, San Francisco disc golf club hosts doubles every Tuesday of the year, anywhere from two to five thirty, depending on sunlight. And we're just kind of take it over 
and we're going to do AP, A pool, B pool and match uh, local pros, national pros with anyone that wants to play. And then we actually have a player's party uh, at a local bar. That's one of our sponsors, Hockey Haven. And that'll be afterwards. And they're going to have like $5 pasta and right. some happy hour. Um, so it, that's, that's our first kickoff. So you, you may not have seen it, but one of our uh, questions earlier in the night was, what can I do to make my event special? And, uh, and one of the things that I said was provide food and entertainment. And uh, you are doing both of those in spades even before the tournament starts. That's what we're trying to do. Um, not to brown nose you too much, but I played uh, the first, I don't know, seven Vibram Opens or so. And um, I took your model of having ping pong and uh, pie eating contest and poker to most of the events I try to run. So there's ancillary activities always going on. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's what makes it fun. Uh, and I'll go ahead and say last year at the Vibram open, we took some of those activities and moved them off site and it was much worse. Um, if the closer in you can have it, the better, uh, it doesn't always mean you can do that. But, uh, like for example, Waco has the party off site at the bridge and it's a, it's a phenomenal deal, but keeping everybody local and keeping everybody social and interacting is always going to be a success. Yeah, we're going to try to do that. Most, I think that's the only event that we have that's not specifically at Glen Eagles. We might be hosting a putting party offsite, but that's not um, on the schedule yet. Everything is going to be on site at Glen Eagles so far. Awesome. So uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, it's a topic that has come up in the last day or two. Uh, from what I understand, you I don't know how you have the audacity to charge people to come watch the world's best players on a golf course in the middle of San Francisco. What are you thinking charging? I people? know it's crazy, right? That, uh, what I understand, a hundred dollars a day. Is that right? No, that is not right. Um, it comes down to two things. One is just financial need. Uh, this event is costing me and my wife technically, uh, like $40,000, I think is a pretty conservative number between, the over $10,000 out of cash, the rental fee for the course for five days. So I'm actually subsidizing every round for the pros Wednesday through Sunday, um, which would cost them about 120 each, you know, multiply that times 155, 160 players. And then, uh, you know, if you've run a tournament, there's other costs. It's, you know, the bathrooms, I have to do security. I have legal fees. I have insurance. I have a website. I have trophies and then there's all the little tiny things like OB string. Um, and then the costs that you don't know are going to happen. So right. we have $30,000. Oh, and then I have to pay you money um, specifically. <laughs> so it's like a $40,000 nut and between sponsorships and disc sales, we're, we're there, but the gate is going to what hopefully pushes us to the break even point. Nice. Okay. So when you say between the gate, uh, between the gate and disc sales, we're there. You mean you're you're close? Oh, the gate is the ten dollars. No, 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 we're not close. No, we're gonna we're gonna start the event um, two weeks from Friday, and we'll be down a yeah. lot. Um, now, granted, like because I'm running tickets to Eventbrite, I can actually see the money as it comes in, but it doesn't get dispersed until the week after the event. Okay. So, as far as cash flow is concerned, I'm certainly going to have to probably add money out of my own bank account to cover it until that gate comes in. Right. Um, and the way we're running the gate. I actually, when I said that was the primary reason is need. And the second is <laughs> I think watching 
Paul, Ricky, Eagle, Simon throw 600 feet downhill from the parking lot under a Zuka truss while you can see the San Francisco Bay with a full bar and restrooms and it's gorgeous. It's worth 10 bucks. It's not crazy. I, I mean, I try to think of another sporting event where you see the best in the world for free and it's like the Boston Marathon. Yes, you can be in Hopkinton on the side of the road, yep. but there's not many others that you get to walk in and not pay a dime. Someone has to, tr someone, this is going to happen someday. So why not now? And also we live in like, you know, the first or second, third most expensive city in the country. So my guess uh, is, first of all, I think some people were confused over the last day or two because I actually did hear, how can he charge $100 for me to come watch? So and $100 is the VIP pass. And what that does, and I'll, I'll, I can break it down, that gives you a three-day admission, so that's a $30 value. It gives you a uh, limited edition um, Innova Star Rats, which is really sexy. Uh, it also gives you the ability to play Glen Eagles on Wednesday and Thursday after 3 p.m. while the pros have their 8 to 3 exclusivity. And no, there's no way else to do that. None. Uh, so, you know, that, that green fee, if you did both rounds, would be worth about 50 bucks. So you've actually already gotten your value. Uh, in addition, I can put a price tag of playing a disc golf pro tour event at Glen Eagles even higher because you have the OB walls, you have the elevated baskets, you have the Zuka trust, you have the photo opportunities you have the hobnob with the pros. Yeah. And you get the, if you play disc golf, you also get that challenge, which doesn't afford itself anywhere else. Right. Absolutely. Um, oh, and one more, one more benefit. I forgot. I want to thank Zuka. Zuka actually is sponsoring a set, two sets of bleachers. One is about 88 people. And that's for the general public. The other one actually fits about 40 and that's for VIP uh, players and spectators only. And that's going to face hole one. And after the league card tees off at two, two thirty, um, we're going to pivot that bleacher 90 degrees. So it faces over hole 18, hole nine, hole 10 and hole 11. You could actually eight, nine and 10. So from the bleachers, you actually can spectate about at least four holes, if not five or six. Uh, and those are VIP bleachers, the, the, the pivoters. The pivot, yeah, the, the one that faces hole one where the pros will literally be putting their bags on. You know, right. they'll be sitting down there. Uh, the camera guys will be there. Those are only available for VIP. We have another set of bleachers that's bigger that's open to the general public. Uh, that that Zuka's, Zuka's sponsorship is the one that's actually uh, picking up the price tax. I want to thank Jen and Bruce for doing that. Uh, thank you very much to them. Uh, Zuka is obviously one of the great sponsors of the Pro Tour as well. Um, mm -hmm. They're coming out with their compact Zuka cart in uh, probably about a, well, actually, I don't know what month it is, but I think it's coming out at the end of May. Uh, yeah. When are they shipping, Steve? I think the end of May. Do you know? Uh, I heard, well, I heard you talk about it recently. So okay. um, I, I get confused about what month it is. One of my favorite things is every time I start this podcast, I always have to check the date. Like I always say, hello, it's, and I always have to pause and look at the date. I'm like, I never know what day it is. And um, I'm super excited about Zuka. In addition to their, um, their, their, the Zuka zone, which we're calling it. And I okay. think it's going to be like umlaut, umlaut on the, oh, in the zone. <laughs> it, their, their truss is actually going to be in the parking lot at Glen Eagles, which is hole nine. And it's 747 feet downhill. It's eagleable. Well, it hasn't done, been done yet. So at the parking lot, literally, it's going to be the Zuka zone, the Zuka truss, where you can watch those guys crush downhill. It's you honestly don't need to go anywhere else if you just stay there because you can watch guys hold on an 18. You can place your dollar bets, i.e. Maple Hill. Um, it's going to be very exciting. 
So I should have had this question already. Uh, I should know the answer to this, and I hope I don't put you in a bad light right here. But would I be able to sit on those bleachers and uh, drink a beer and watch everything, or is the beer only available in, in the club? Oh, no, no. So Glen Eagle's uh, permit, like most golf courses, applies to the whole acreage. So, yeah, you can, you can get a beer inside the bar. We're going to have satellite stations outside uh, and drink it on the bleachers themselves. Take in at least four holes while you're there. Um, as much as I want people to walk the course, uh, there's really not much need to leave that general area. Nice. Uh, that, that sounds fantastic. We have something, well, we don't have anything new. You can only watch one hole at the bleachers on hole 18 at Maple Hill and people, right. still, people still do that and enjoy the, the heck out of it. So that's, yeah, it's really fun. I've been there many times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now you, you played seven times, obviously. I don't know how many you were in the lead card or second card. Uh, I my best how- ever. I, I, well, I played with Paul Macbeth and David Wiggins jr. In one year on the second day. Okay. Second day. So I think okay. I shot like a 60 and uh, Paul finished fifth and I finished like 67th at the end of that tournament. A little divergence there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so San Francisco, one of the great cities in the world. Um, we're bringing a disc golf event to San Francisco and uh, getting a lot of excitement for it. The way you lay it out there, it totally makes sense that uh, and 10 bucks to go watch the best players in San Francisco where I can sit and drink a beer on bleachers and enjoy the, the I'm going to guess it's going to be beautiful weather because it's, uh, it'll, it'll be windy. Hopefully I'm hoping for wind, but typically it doesn't rain May through October in this town. Um, so I'm going to guess it's going to be 64 to 70 degrees every single day and the wind will pick up in the afternoon. But yeah, it's a uh, Glen Eagles. Unfortunately for my lifestyle, sometimes it's too much fun to hang out. I have to say, <laughs> So it's uh, it sounds to me like a very good value. And uh, and the VIP pass, uh, if you're planning on coming out all three days and you want to play a Disc Golf Pro Tour course, uh, which you can only play those five days. Right. Uh, and that's if you're playing. Or those, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday only, technically, um, for the VIP players. And we're limiting that to 50 players only, so that way they get their comeuppance. It's not like Absolutely. we're opening the floodgates. And I think we've sold... We launched the program yesterday afternoon. We've sold about 12 VIP passes already. Okay, great. So and we also have a, we have a tournament pass, which is $30 and that's admission every single day. And it includes a disc too. So, oh, and the, that's easy. Yeah. That, that one I think is a no brainer. If you go one day, because you're going to show right. up anyway, most of the discs cost 20 bucks because they're CFR TFR. Yeah. And that to me, if you're going to go two days or more, that is a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going to go all three days, you, you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, I, I there was I when we posted this yesterday on our local club, it created a lot of chatter because it's disruptive. Um, and I told someone I'm not going to tell everyone in the social media ethos, but if you come there that day and you hang out for the majority and you get to watch people crush downhill, the course is almost ten thousand feet. Holy team is magnificent, and you don't think it's worth ten bucks? Like I will hand you a ten dollar bill. Like it's. The sport is going to go there someday, and it's going to start somewhere. I think USGDC actually does charge already. Um, probably the same schedule. I think it's ten dollars, maybe thirty dollars VIP, which you get close to the parking lot. Yeah, and then I think a frisbee is included. Um, but it, the product, meaning the players, is worth it. 
It is. So you said you would give people their ten dollars back. I assume that's minus. A I said I give one person their ten dollars back. But you yeah. said minus a processing fee. I assume. <laughs> yeah, ten dollar processing fee. <laughs> um, but uh, and not to beat this, I don't want to stick on the money side of it. But sure. uh, it, it, you are one hundred percent right. In ten years, it's not even going to be a question. You're if you have a course that you can maintain a gate. Right. Like yeah. if I had this event at Golden Gate Park where it's open on all sides, it would be very difficult unless, of course, I um, fenced it in. But I mean, you've been charging parking at Maple Hill for years. Exactly. That headed. That's a gate, right? It's the same thing. If you want to, you're just calling it something different. And you fill up and you have overlot, like overflow lots to do that. So uh, just so people know, what we, we actually charged. I think it was $3, maybe it was $5 per car. And uh, the reason that we did that was because too many people came. And so <laughs> we needed, it was a deterrent. We, well, it was, a, it, was not a, it was more of an encouragement to, to carpool. Because right. five bucks for a car, I mean, that's, you know, and it's so nothing. now it's the same thing. It's 10 bucks for a car. And if you get five people in that car, that's, I mean, that's two bucks a head. That's nothing. No, someone just ponies up the cash and pays for it. It's exactly so like the, uh, the old school 1960s movie theater model where you're trying to get yes. people squeezing the trunks. Absolutely. Which, which is a great model. Um, yeah. So uh, the event starts on Friday and it runs Friday. Uh, yeah. The competition starts on Friday. Yep. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It goes yep. live at five o'clock. Eastern, uh, two o'clock Pacific. Correct. And, uh, and we actually have an announcement. We're, we're not going to touch on it right now, but we have an announcement coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, two of which, uh, have are directly related to the San Francisco open. So, um, I know I, of one of them with, uh, is there another one that I'm not aware of? I think, you know, of both of them, but we're releasing, maybe, you know, <laughs> it's, we might be releasing it as two separate things. But okay. we have two, two very exciting announcements coming out. So, uh, but I'll just say five o'clock Eastern, we go live. But you might want to watch a little bit earlier than that. Uh -huh. So, but that's something we're not going to touch on yet. We're, we have, we're, we're, that's a little teaser for people. Um, and then, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, do you know? <clears throat> oh, we don't know who the feature cards are because we haven't done the fan vote yet. Uh, we know, I think, three quarters of them. We know three quarters um, of the cards. Um, yeah. I'm going to see if I can pull that up real quick. And uh, right now we've got uh, we've got Jay Redding getting ready to uh, to come in. So while you're pulling while you're pulling that up, can I just talk about our schedule real quick? And I, quick absolutely. So um, Tuesday is doubles at Golden Gate. Then we have a players party that night. Wednesday is uh, players can play all day. Uh, Wednesday night we don't have an official event. Thursday, same thing. VIP play starts at three. And then Thursday night, we have kids disc golf is coming in, oh, uh, okay. which is a great program based out of Massachusetts. And uh, tickets are on sale for that. I think it's like $4 and your kid gets pizza. And I, some of the top pros are there to teach them. It's pretty right. casual. So check that out. Friday night, um, we're going to have a long distance CTP. And while I haven't secured it yet, we're going to do some research to find out what's been the most, uh, the biggest payout for one disc golf shot in history. And so we're going to buy an insurance policy to try to see if that can happen, um, whether that's five or ten thousand dollars. So it's going to be a, a distant CTP where if no one aces it. The players split maybe top three of the money, and then if one person makes it, they're going to win either five or ten thousand dollars. And then on Saturday, this is really cool. As soon as um, the lead card holds out on eighteen, uh, Hall of Famer Juliana Corver is actually going to do a freestyle demo. 
um, which is pretty rad. And then after that, we actually have a local outfit that's going to do live outdoor drone racing on the course that you can spectate from the bleachers. I think that I've seen drone racing on East. I don't know where it was. It was somewhere. And it looked like one of the coolest things in the world. Yeah. These are like five inch wide uh, drones. And I think they they go up nearly to a hundred miles an hour and they set up all these hoops. Yeah. They fly through. I mean, I, I promote and produce a lot of events besides disc golf. That event alone could be worth a $10 cover. Yes, absolutely. That is uh, well, so, Seeing Juliana Corver do a freestyle would be, would be worth a $10 yeah. cover. Yeah. Saturday is going to be a good day. Uh, Sunday. And then we just do the awards and then, um, my, uh, my team and volunteers will kick back and enjoy a cold one while we look at the, the, uh, the view on at, of San Francisco Bay. And uh, I look forward to joining you for that if I'm invited. And uh, I'll go ahead and say we'll that the, the festival will also be running from noon to eight each day. That's That also is included with your admission. Wow. That's worth half of the cost right there. Yeah. So for 10 bucks, you get the disc, the disc festival or disc midway, right? Carnival games. Right. Exactly. Uh, the view, the competition itself, uh, drone racing or distance. Um, they play great music there. We're going to have some amplified sound. And now you're ready have, for it yet, but I can't wait. It's your first year event, so I understand you don't have all the good players. <laughs> uh, uh, please check out uh, the lineup. While yeah. we don't have everyone, everyone that's playing Masters Cup, I think, is going to be here and more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun fact Jeff Faze won the last preview event we had here, or the first one, and I think he's now the 47th ranked player in the field. Wow. He's yeah. a thousand plus, isn't he? Uh, he floats between nine ninety five and thousand five, but okay. yeah, ballpark. He's MVP sponsored. He actually will be playing at noon on the Jomez card with, I believe, Paul Garrett and Fanbo and Fanbo. Yeah, and I actually do have um, that pulled up. So the the live card going off at uh, two o'clock Pacific, five o'clock Eastern is Ricky Eagle, Patrick Brown, and yep, local and the Fanbo. And Fanbo. Yeah, and then the Jomez card is Paul McBeth, Gurthy, and Jeff Faze, last yep. year's champion. And then the uh, Central Coast card going off at 10 a.m. is Nate Sexton, Simon Lazat, and James Proctor. Yeah, like, those three cards are without the fan vote are loaded. I know it's that's already awesome. I'm hoping that, uh, and I think he will, just because he's local to NorCal, that Drew gets on one of those cards because he's been playing really well and he smashes. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see maybe Barsby since he's from NorCal too, will be on one of those three cards. And then Josh Anton, who's also local. I got to actually play the course with Josh last week and he silently shredded it and shot, I don't know, seven down on whatever layout we played. Uh, that kid's so good. It's ridiculous. I'm going to close with the women's feature card, but before we get there, I'll mention a couple of other people in the fan boat. Top three get in. But this is a really interesting event. Um, obviously, you've got the, 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 the names you've heard before, like Anton and Barsby, Gibson, Conrad, Eric Oakley. Um, new names on there, Colton Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Kevin Jones. You have Derek Billings. Oh, you know what? Derek just dropped out. I think I was actually, as I said that, I said, wait a minute. No, he just dropped out. We don't have Derek Billings. But the name that we do have on there is Avery Jenkins. Yes. Yeah, is- Avery has never played a Pro Tour event. Um, he registered, I was super psyched. I know he plays master's cup every year and he's going to make the trip up to San Francisco for the event. And it'd be cool if he made it too. And he's got a lot of social media muscle. So I'd like to see how much he pushes that. 
Absolutely. It's going to be very fun to see. Uh, it, it would be, it would be wonderful to see him on a feature card again. Uh, it's been, it's been a while since I've seen him play at all. And, uh, yeah, he, see if he still has game. He's still 10, 10 rated or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. He is. He's maintained his thousand rated. Yeah. And then on the women's feature card, we've got Paige Pierce, Sarah Hokum, Jessica Weiss, a California native, uh, and then the fan vote. Um, mm -hmm. And that, again, a, a very power. Now, okay, so the default is for people to say, well, it's a big golf course style course. Paige Pierce is just going to run away with this because she has the distance. Um, so I don't know, because our course designer, architect Leonard Muse, thank you, Leonard, um, actually has changed, I think, nine holes for the women, whether uh, he shortened the tee um, or they're playing from the regular tee where the men are playing this herculean tee that's yeah. so long that's ridiculous and also the women are playing a softer par on at least two holes where they're playing a five versus a four or a three versus a four versus a three yeah so there, there's definitely it's definitely uh shorter to hopefully uh increase scoring um variance yep. and you know page obviously is the front runner if we were playing on the moon so well it's definitely <laughs> on the moon um but I'd like to see if someone's going to, you know, the last event, she did not win wired. You know, she, she barely held on the last hole. Exactly where I was headed uh, at, at, at GBO. She, she was pushed the whole way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it is, it has not been a cakewalk for her at all. There are, there are a lot of women who are ready to challenge her. And uh, I actually think this next stretch, um, you got master's cup, SFO, Beaver state, Utah, uh, I think that's going to be a really good challenge for her to see if she can maintain that because it doesn't seem likely that she's able to maintain that level over those four In events. Including uh, Daisy Chains, the, the women's global event oh, that's this, right. weekend, this yeah. weekend in Pinto Lake, which is just south of uh, De La. So if she can sweep Pintos, uh, Santa Cruz, SFO, Beaver State, and Utah, that would be insane. It, it would be insane. Uh, do you? Um, but we've got... People like Sarah Holcomb pushing, Lisa Fakus pushing, Jessica Weiss pushing, yep. Yep. Katrina Allen ready to return to form. There's plenty of women that are ready to challenge her and uh, and give her a oh, run. Sure. And Glen Eagles plays as a lefty-friendly course or right-hand, forehand-friendly course. Oh, that's For interesting. Sure. Yeah, okay. it definitely does. Um, you need both shots and uh, in some Byzantine scoring method, the, the designer puts it at like a plus three in favor of lefty. Okay. Or right-hand, forehand, obviously. You just made Devin Owens' day? Yeah, and I was sad. Actually, Derek and uh, Derek Billings and Zach Melton popped up this week, and I was really sad because they're premier lefty players. Right. That's too bad. Um, it is uh, it is all the way out on the West Coast, and I guess that's the way that is. Yeah, so what are you going to uh, do? With that, Sean, I'm going to – do you have any uh, any last closing thoughts for people? Yeah, I want to thank – although I don't have it, I want to thank uh, Anderson Valley – they, they're making a new disc golf beer called Hophizer. I didn't have it in the fridge, but I'm going to open up one of their ghosts and I'm going to enjoy this as uh, Jay takes the, uh, takes the mic. Steve, I'll see you here in a couple of weeks. I could not be more excited. Thanks to Anderson Valley and cheers to everyone out there. Thank you, Anderson Valley. And thank you, Sean. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And with that, we're going to say goodbye to Sean Jack, and we're going to bring in Jay, Jay Redding. Uh, Jay is one of the ranking members on the competition committee. Jay, thank you for joining us. Hey, Steve Dodge. Uh, glad to be here. Hey, everybody out in Disc Golf Pro Tour, Videoland.
<laughs> nice. I think that's our first Yeti call on the Pro Tour Talk. Um, <laughs> so, Jay, you and I have known each other for, I think, 40 or 50 millennia. And uh, it's uh, very nice to catch up with you again. I don't know the last time we've hugged. It seems like it's been a year. It's too long, actually. Well, too long. Are you going to be on the West Coast in the next month? Uh, I tell you what, no West Coast for us besides uh, a stint in uh, Montana and Idaho. Um, and yeah, otherwise, uh, yeah, we're, we're busy as all get out. I'm excited to kind of catch up on a couple things that we're up to, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I do want to, you know, put my support though towards what Sean Jack is doing as somebody that's, uh, been a longtime promoter and organizer of disc golf events. Uh, I know that Sean has put in a ton of time. People won't even realize, uh, how much time that that goes into something like this listening to all the things that he's talking about that they've got going on it just sounds like an absolutely incredible event you know what pay the 100 bucks do the vip i guarantee you that uh, sean jack will not let you down uh just describing what he did in the locale if you've ever been to the uh you know the city of san fran you know that a uh, dollar burger costs five dollars there so right uh, that $100 is going to be a great value, no doubt. Get out there, bring some friends. The uh, the big problem with promoting that $100 value is he's only got 50 of those. And in all likelihood, there's going to be a, a dozen or five dozen people that are a little upset that they are not able to get in, in on that VIP package. So um, Sign up today. I, 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 think that's a, I think that's a really good move because being able to play that course and then being able to get in all the days and then getting that disc and getting the extra access that he gives you. Yeah. It, it seems like a really good deal. And you're supporting an event in a city that has some serious cachet. No doubt about it. And a first time event too. And there's nothing like getting an event like that off on the right foot. Um, yeah. You know, city of San Francisco and this golf course is already planning their calendar for 2019. So they're going to be looking to make a review on this right away. And I think it's all, it's up to all of us, you know, put, put your money where your mouth is, put your feet uh, in the street and, uh, and let's get her done. Put your feet in the street. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> That's new, right? I it just rolled off. Actually just, just came up with it. Um, so Jay, uh, I could spend an hour just catching up with you and maybe after this call, I'd like to do that with you. But um, before we get to the video replay concept, uh, I'd love to chat real quick with you and just say, what kind of things are you and Des doing, or maybe just you, what are you guys up to? And, uh, and, and tell us some, some stories from the road. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you three quick things that we're, we're doing last week, this week and, and ongoing. Um, the, of course, Des and I are working hard with the educational disc golf experience with this, the nonprofit organization that's helping grow young disc golfers that are eventually going to turn into PDGA members that are eventually going to turn into disc golf pro, pro tour players. Okay. Uh, and if, and if, even if they don't get to that level, just the admiration and respect of what we're doing, we're going to start bringing families out uh, to spectate and check it out because they play as family units. Um, we've got a tournament charity program. We've got 60 events lined up already so far throughout the country uh, these events uh, support EDGE along with their regular tournaments. Uh, last year, we uh, had 75 tournaments, and we granted out $18,000 in awards to uh, schools and youth programs to get them off on the right foot uh, in starting disc golf at their schools. We're starting to see those kids uh, uh, become enamored with it. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the great folks out at uh, uh, Kids Disc Golf, you know, they're doing a, a, a cool thing on their end is they're actually putting up and posting a lot of these videos that parents are taking. Uh, it's infectious. And I, I think uh, we're in the I want to do that as well mode. Um, and one thing leads to the other. So that's what Edge is up to. And we just did a, a great uh uh, national physical education conference where we presented disc golf. We actually co-presented at the show with the PDGA. So this was super cool because the new executive director, uh, Joe Chargloff, uh, came in with the representing the PDGA as well as the PDGA president, uh, Justin Menichelli. And it was great yep. to have those guys there to not only see what Edge is doing and what we what we have been doing, uh, but also kind of get in touch with the educational system as well because uh, you know, Joe and Justin are both very minded in this truly is the where we're going to start providing fuel to what you're doing with the Disc right. Pro Tour. Um, so it all works together and hopefully we can all play in the sandbox and uh, keep this thing going. And uh, we're stoked about that. So uh, last week we ran, um, we're in the mode of running a couple events before we hit the road. Uh, we ran a C-tier up in uh, Tarrant County College at a course I designed up in Fort Worth. This has been an ongoing relationship of just uh, 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 wanting to put together campus events for them to showcase their school, their course that we designed. We had 1,600,000-plus PDJ members participate, so it's always geared towards the youth and towards new players. So wait, wait, you said 1,600? 1,600,000 members. So meaning like 14 of these people, this was their very first PDGA event ever. Oh, 100,000. That's their number, their PDGA that's, number. That's, okay. Right. that's right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's new. Super cool. We had four juniors. We had four families. So we had like the Steppy family who's the mom played, the dad played, and both their sons played. So super cool event on that. You know, that's got a lot of rewards on a lot of different ends for that. And then this next week, uh, we're actually hosting a – women's global event down in San Antonio. So wow. we're super stoked about that. And, uh, you know, of course, they're cresting over 2,000 women in participation. And, uh, you know, like everything, of course, Texas wants to do it a little bit bigger. And uh, we are. We've got uh, six events here in the state of Texas. There's 125 women already signed up, more signing up every day. So uh, we're really looking forward, you know, uh, to – providing a venue where uh, the, the women of San Antonio can participate and come on out. So uh, I've run uh, probably a couple of dozen tournaments in my life. I'm a very accomplished tournament director. Uh, how many events you, you said 75 last year, you've already got 60 on the books this year. I assume this is not your second year doing this. Have you run more than 500 events? Well, the good thing, Steve, I guess, is that I'm actually not running them. So these are actually partnerships with uh, great tournament directors all around. Oh, that's even better. Like the Iowa Tour, uh, Russ Burns Disc Monkey Tour out of Missouri. We've got the Western Arkansas Flying Disc Association. And, and, uh, you know, we've got room for for a bunch others because this is a great outlet to – not only connect your event to a charity uh, that obviously goes back to the community. Um, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, 
we try to have people not talk about edge like it's a disc golf charity, even though you and I both know that, yep, it is. Yep. In reality, what it is, though, it's, it's actually a charitable organization that is for schools. And schools, especially physical education, is one of the most underfunded programming uh, in our nation. Yep. And we're seeing that with our alarming you know, childhood obesity and juvenile diabetes rates uh, that, of course, disc golf is trying to combat every day. So if, uh, if I'm running an event and I would like to associate with you and bring you guys in or bring Edge in, who do I, how do I get a hold of you and what's the best way to, to, to start looking into this? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, you can go right onto the uh, edgediscgolf.org website. There's a link right on the front page. It's got a little information about the program. Uh, you can send an email directly to that link. It'll go right to me. Uh, it's a simple agreement. And we actually have some great corporate sponsors uh, that really support uh, this program, meaning that we can supply a support package to these events to even help raise more money. Or if it's a per dollar per head, we can supply some great CTPs from Innova Champion Disc and a huge sponsor is Keen Footwear out of Portland, Oregon. Great. Um, doing great things with those all those guys. Fantastic. Uh, edgediscgolf.com. Dot org. Oh, dot org. Okay. I've never been to edgediscgolf.com. Don't know what it does. <laughs> I don't I'm sure, either. I'm Myself sure they're good rockets. people. <laughs> so edgediscgolf.org. I'm actually glad I said that so people know, oh, it's not .com. It's .org. Nope. Uh, Edge is a 501c3 charity. Any any donations to Edge is a, uh, are tax deductible, or I guess we'll find out what exactly is going on with the new tax structure. But uh you know, uh, needless to say, any funding that's given to EDGE goes right back into providing disc golf into schools and other youth programs. Absolutely. So I've got three follow-up questions for you. And uh, okay. just, uh, these are just me listening to Jay and saying, huh, that's something that I'm interested in. Uh, one of the things that we're talking about, uh, talking about a lot in the last month or so, actually probably probably the last year or so, Valerie Jenkins brings up stuff all the time and she kind of got this ball rolling a while ago. But I'm interested, what percentage of youngsters that you guys teach are girls? When you go to these schools and you see the classes, is it the entire class that comes so it's 50-50? Or do they get to, if they choose, I'm, I guess basically I'm interested, if they choose to come, what percentage of the people that are choosing to come are girls? Well, well, that's a, that's a great, question. great question, and really, we only really have to look at uh, the actual makeup of the schools itself, and the majority of those, something's going on with my volume, sorry, there we go. Uh, it, it's the same makeup that, that of every day that goes to school, so what are we at? I think it's 51% women and 48% men, so with the physical education realm, adopting disc golf as a viable recreational outlet as a lifetime activity all of these kids are exposed to it wow. and you know we just start to have to play the math numbers and for every thousand kids that we actually put a disc into their hand you know we might be lucky and uh, get maybe a hundred of those that are actually going to play outside of uh, the gym yeah. uh, and physical education with their family and then we can only hope that maybe another you know, 10% of those actually take it to another level and maybe play in a league or join a club. And so, you know, you're talking about like, well, okay, a thousand kids, you know, that's really only a few here and there. But guess what? There are millions of kids, you know? <laughs> so 
uh, with that, to me, um, you know, here's the answer to the million dollar question that, that you've been asking a lot and, and we really appreciate it. And I know, um, you know, all the women out there appreciate uh, uh, you really listening and trying to find this, how do we get the women's game to go farther and get bigger? I got your answer, Steve. It's edge and it's the educational disc golf experience. It's all the other youth programs that are going on. Um, you know, we are at still a major growth stepping area for the sport. Right. I've been around the sport for 20 years. I was a huge amateur athlete uh, all through my life. Um, so I understand all the aspects of different sports, different clubs, uh, all these different things. And to me, it's it really is a numbers game. And uh, the exposure uh, on an ongoing basis is going to continually produce these kids that we are now um, you know, Des and I, have, we, we did have one story a few years ago. We've now have several stories of kids that we're seeing at tournaments and at the PDGA World Championships that are saying, making us feel real old by saying, oh, man, you guys came and did a assembly at my entire elementary school. And, you know, there's no better feeling uh, and reward <laughs> for us than that. Uh, but in, in reality, it shows that the proof is in the pudding. Right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're getting kids that are, are getting ready to, to get out there. So you're 100 percent right. Uh, the answer is teaching the kids. Um, and, and I think I, I think you would go ahead and say that there's two sides to that equation. Uh, one is making disc golf cool, uh, which I which is the goal of the pro tour. So that when you go to these schools, the kids can look at disc golf and say, wow, that's something real. And that's something that I want to do. Have you, when you go to these schools, have any of the kids ever known about any of the pros? Do any of them know Paul Macbeth and know Ricky Wysocki and know Paige Pierce? You know, I, I, I don't even really throw that out there a lot because I, I don't even want to, I know it's, I know even if there are one or two kids, you know, that's not what we want. What, what I want to do is, is, you know, and, and now it's a little dated. I'm, I'm using uh, folks like Ricky Fowler and stuff, but you know, it used to be, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, I would, I would, I would talk about golf because everyone knows golf and yeah. Tiger Woods and everybody knew about Tiger Woods. And then you, then that's where you correlate, you know, well, golf, Frisbee golf, disc golf, you know, and then it just kind of chains out, chains in that reaction. And then of course, you know, demonstrating and, uh, you know, elementary kids are the best because, you know, they freak out over a beautiful Anheuser that arcs across their entire, you know, gymnasium and right. they think awesome and throw in a couple 60 footers and you know that it's over <laughs> <laughs> and yes that um i don't remember the first time i saw that but uh yeah you, oh you know what it was it was uh, watching nico actually do a demonstration with a bunch of kids and he threw a disc 400 feet and you just saw the eyes light up and the kids saying that's what i want to do and that's, uh, right. that's you, right you're nailing it 100 percent. and i i thank you very much for what you're doing so there's, like you said, there's two routes here to grow disc golf, uh, become a Patreon, uh, you know, support the disc golf pro tour on one side, uh, give a tax deductible donation to, uh, edge is the charity. Uh, we're both going to keep growing the sport and yep. we'll do it together. And I think it's, it, it could be great. And, uh, you could even argue the two aren't exclusive. No, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> you and I have talked about different ways to partner up. And I think we came close this year. Um, I think we're going to even get closer next year, hopefully. So in fact, uh, I'm hoping next year uh, we make it happen. 
Uh, absolutely. We're, we're, uh, every year we're getting closer and closer. Um, and as, as the pro tour goes, it gets easier and easier to get closer and closer. So, um, but that's a, that's an aside. Now, uh, I want to, I want to shift to, uh, I want to shift to Jay Redding competition committee. Are you the chairman? What are you? Uh, yeah, I have officially taken over the chair. Um, yeah, just uh, really in time to do all of, uh, a lot of the heavy lifting of organizing uh, that uh, rework of the rule book and the competition manual. And uh, luckily, we've got a great committee that uh, is willing to put in um, the volunteer hours and the brain power um, that it takes to, to get something like that done. And I think it's really important to point out that um, the competition manual is completely different than the rule book. Yeah. Uh, even though the two work very close together. Um, and of course they're supposed to basically complement each other and they do in some areas and there's still some work to do in other areas. Right. It's uh, and there always will be, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's never, it's never complete. Uh, as, as the game evolves, the rules evolve with it. Um, so uh, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for your service on the competition committee and for now take, resuming, uh, taking the role of chair. I remember, uh, I think it, it was almost a decade ago, probably in 2010, I think we worked on the NT committee. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that committee still exists or not, but uh, that was... We broke it, Steve. Uh, <laughs> almost you and I collectively broke that. And it, it really the, felt like we did break that. The cool thing is, is that uh, a lot of the you know, ideas that you put forth and, uh, you know, I shared too that, uh, right. you know, you're, you're implementing a lot of those. So uh, here we are 10 years later, that train is on the tracks officially. Yeah. It, it, it took a little while, but we got it going, but thank you. You've, you've been involved in the uh, inner workings of the sport for a long time. And, and we all owe a debt of gratitude to you for that. And uh, not, not to mention all of the, uh, the, the tens of thousands of people that kids that you've taught the sport to. Um, but today specifically, I wanted to bring you in to discuss video replay. Um, when I throw a shot out of bounds and I don't know if it hit inbounds over there and there's a camera over there, cause I'm playing on the lead card. I'll just, I'll start the question this way and then we can, we can diverge. Should I be able to look at that video replay and see whether or not I hit inbounds so that it, we can make sure that at least I get the right call. Well, I mean, that, that's a, that is a tough one. Um, you know, so I think you already know the stock answer and that's that, uh, you're, you, I don't know if you, Steve, of course, you're going to be on the, uh, the, the chase card at the minimum. So there's probably a camera going to be on you. Um, but, you know, we have a, a bunch of other professional players uh, that have paid the same entry fee that uh, you did. And uh, uh, I would think that they would also deserve the same uh, ability to see if their calls are warranted or, or not. Fair enough. Well, it's a, it's an interesting question because that's that's the that's the crux of it. Mm -hmm. If you can't get it right for one person, the person on the last card who doesn't have a camera, does that mean you shouldn't get it right when you when you can? Well, 
Well, I mean, that, that starts to get into the whole debate of, uh, you know, the, the real truth of the matter is, is that our sport is in its, in its I don't want to say infancy, because we're, we're not infants. We're, we're walking. Uh, we're talking. We're throwing 500-foot hyzers. And back when I was, uh, you know, a thousand and blah, blah, blah player, uh, we weren't doing that at the top level. Um, none of us were throwing 500 foot hyzers. I can guarantee you that. Um, so, you know, that being said, it's a, it's a whole new world out there as far as the technology meeting the demand of the courses. Now, uh, the other thing that, that, uh, disc golf has that will fight this effort the entire way is that, uh, uh, we're not on, um, structured, uh, venues now right. next next you know in san francisco uh, we're at a golf course well guess what yep golf has a history of having you know i don't even know 25 35 cameras um positioning towers they've got officials in the booth that all they're doing is actually watching the live feeds and they have the ability to click over and check out different things so you know believe me that nobody supports joe mez and smashbox <laughs> and central coast and even a bunch of the armchair guys that are out there uh than me because i've i've felt that uh, i actually was a little hesitant on like man really people are sitting around and watching disc golf on their living room when it's 75 degrees outside you know and that's you know that's that's the eddie in me man i'm i'm I, i'd want to be outside right now in fact there's a window i'm constantly i'm watching the deer out there once in a while right now it, you know it just it's it I love it. It befuddles me as a outdoor recreational professional, um, as an athlete, but my gosh, do we love video watchers, you know, because in the end, uh, you know, you alluded to it at the, uh, at the, uh, Maple Hill, you know, what a great complex for disc golf. However, it's handcuffed by the ability to bring in more people than the, uh, house can hold. So, uh, some of these other venues are going to help with that. Uh, but the video side of it is is absolutely incredible. So back on track, um, you know, I, I, the short answer is we just are totally not there yet. I mean, it's we can, here's here's the thing. Uh, we spent a lot of time on on video. Here's why because um, the rules committee actually um, just took out the Q and A that prohibited video usage uh there i i, I should have had the the total verbatim but they took out the q a that basically allowed that disallowed video um review and so what that did was by removing that just like just like with the rangefinder they didn't make rangefinders legal they just took out the words that made them you know prohibited so now they are legal. So technically, the rule book might have gone into effect with not even video being mentioned. And then the Wild West would have ensued. And luckily, the competition committee actually caught that and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. Let's find out what your intentions are. And the intentions were kind of, uh, they weren't really sure, I think, w- what exactly they were going for. Besides, I think for, there are some things where you know, video evidence pictures are probably, I think, warranted, um, you know, the committee, we, we all are, you know, not completely against 
everything. We just got to make sure we do it right. And so that's where we came up with, and we talked about it for a while, but it, it literally is Pandora's box, can of worms, you know, you name it. Um, and golf has been going through this. In fact, golf just uh, this just this year outlawed the ability for armchair quarterback Joe to call in and go, oh, <laughs> my God, Tiger Woods just duffed the sand before you, you know. And and we they had that. Uh, I think it was 2013 Masters. You know, somebody, I don't know if he, somebody had a direct line to the <laughs> PGA or whatever, but uh, Tiger got penalized based on somebody, uh, you know, calling in and reporting that, you know, whoa, hey, you guys need to look at this. And uh, there was an LPGA um, yep. uh, player that actually ended up, you know, most likely losing the tournament because she went in a playoff. Um, but somebody else, you know, so they, the PGA even, you know, as millions and millions of dollars and years and years of experience that they have on us, they're still scrambling to go and like, right. wait a second, now this isn't right at all. So that's where we came back and we're like, well, what? What up with to kind of at least acknowledge that, all right, we understand that technology, video, the venues, the top players, some of this stuff is heading in that direction. But for right now, the only place that we feel that video evidence, um, you know, should be going is to uh, submit evidence for misconduct. Okay. So somebody, somebody goes ape and off the rails, uh, you sure. know, it's not – somebody's story against somebody's story it's like hey look at this guy look at this clown you know so uh it would be it, it, and uh i actually don't have an opinion on this which is <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but on, on a lot of topics i tend to not even have an opinion because i there's both sides make sense to me it makes sense to me that if you can't cover every card and can't give every player the benefit of a video replay, you shouldn't give it to anybody then. But I can also understand somebody saying, wait, we're on the lead card. We're challenging for the lead. We have a video replay available of that shot from the pin. We can tell if it went in or, bound, in or out from that shot on that video replay. Why not use it and get the call right? And I can understand both sides of that argument. They, they both make sense to me. Um, and which which means to you, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I don't have a valid argument against it because you're right. If you can't do it for everybody, it's not going to be fair. Um, Armchair Joe calling in. <laughs> First of all, I love that Armchair Joe has a ridiculous voice. I don't know what part of the country he's from, but he has a little rah 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 voice, which is great. Um, I made fun of Terry for his his armchair Joe voice. Um, and, uh, so I would say that that should never, ever happen. Um, he should never have an ability to just call in. I don't know if he called during the tournament or what, but I don't know how that, yeah, that's just a crazy story. Um, so both sides of this make sense to me and, uh, I don't quite get it and I'm, and I'm leading somewhere. So just one second, uh, Oh, and regarding, uh, you said you don't know what kind of, what to call the sport. I like to use the word nascent. First of all, it's a word that makes me look intelligent. It's, like a, very, it. it's a very good seven-letter word for Scrabble. And uh, the, the uh, definition. Uh, Grandma played that on you more than once, I have a feeling. 
<laughs> but it means uh, it means coming into existence and beginning to display signs of future potential. So I feel like that's what disc golf is. I think we are nascent. Um, if you look at golf having a 400-year history, we have a 40-year history. We are coming into existence, and, and we're displaying signs of potential. But where I was going with all of that uh, earlier video stuff, I think at this point we do – Almost, if not if not already there, we almost have a universal coverage for people to take pictures of a disc that landed inbounds or out of bounds. Um, and I've uh, I've had many people as a tournament director try to give me a phone and say, "Look, here's a picture of where the disc landed. Is this inbounds or out of bounds?" And uh, in my opinion. I, I do have an opinion on this. In my opinion, since it's almost universal that everybody can take a picture out on the course now, I think that should be allowed. Um, wh where do you stand on that? So whether or not this disc is OB right here on the line. Yeah. Or, no. or, or if it's in a swampy part of the pond or, you know, there's, if, there's, this disc landed in this section of the course. Yeah. It's not showing up on the map. I don't have my, you know, whatever it is, you know, that type of stuff. I think I, th I personally think is fine. You know, there, there so basically, you know, here, here, uh, here's something that we've, we've kind of talked about here. So uh, video evidence, not being allowed for foot faults, stance violations, uh, you know, whether or not that disc is on the line or not, you know, those are all in the end, the, the spirit of the game and the reason that people are even put into groups. And it says it clear and simple, yeah. right. In the rule books, right. it's for us to, uh, you know, uh, keep track of score, uh, make verify scoring and to uh, also watch and enforce the rules and that's where we're self-officiating, um, you know, and we can bring up two stories about Ricky Wasaki. Uh, love the guy. Um, you know, one came up with the memorial here, and I, I, I still don't even really know the full gamut of, of what actually happened. Uh, besides, you know, it sounds like maybe video evidence would have shown that there perhaps was a, a foot fault there. Yeah. Uh, but in, in the end, um, it sounds like, uh, not only did he throw fast, so the players maybe get off the hook because he did throw so fast that uh, some of the one of the, some of the players didn't even know he was throwing to watch. But in the end, you know, because the players didn't watch, they're actually also in violation for not, you know, adhering to the spirit of the game. You know, that's what they're out there for. That's what, you know, one card separates another card by simply by score. But in the end, we're all in the same division. We're all out there to make sure that competition is held in the highest regard. So, you know, that's where that becomes a little bit, you know, tricky. Um, you know, so I think things like, hey, you know, wow, my disc landed in here. You know, this isn't even covered in the rule sheet. What's up with that? Right. You know, and that's a time saver because what would happen nowadays would be the tournament director actually has to or, or somebody of his, uh, you know, official choosing has to actually go walk out there to wherever right. the offending place is and check it out for themselves. So, you know, I mean, 
I, I, to me, I feel that probably it will be the next step. I mean, you know, if we are going to move forward in this direction, you know, it's probably going to be incremental. Right. Uh, I, I agree with that entirely. Um, I think that's the way football brought it in. They just said, okay, we'll do instant replay, but only on these few things. And then they expand the pendulum swung maybe too far and they're swinging it back. And that's, that's just the way this is going to be. Uh, we're going to say, and, and I, I appreciate you potentially uh, saying, yeah, that, that actually would work. It would save a lot of time walking out to hole seven to go look at that little area. Um, so that's, yeah, it, it seems to come up. Actually, it didn't come up last year, but it seems to come up every other year at the Vibram Open. There's somebody finds a spot somewhere on that farm that we did not put OB rope, and there's there's confusion. So of course, yeah. I mean, in the end, you know, the the number one importance of of all of this is that the you know we we crown a true champion. Yeah, you know, so uh, you know the 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 technical kind of stuff of I saw this, I saw that. Cause even camera angles can be misleading. Yep. Uh, we saw a bunch of that with the, the world championship in uh, Pennsylvania with the, you know, Stokely Climo thing, um, you know, camera angles, as you know, and all of Hollywood knows is the absolute key to, uh, you know, showing what you want to show, tell exactly. your story with yeah. angles. So uh, yeah, we're just, that type of stuff, just no way. But but talking about things that are misplays, um, you know, things like that. Uh, we want we want the correct outcome. Yeah, that's the goal. Okay. So uh, and but we want the correct outcome to be e- equally applied. Like if 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 one group's going to get the correct outcome, but another group is not, that's that's not well. That's interesting. Is it? A- <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh-huh. a, it's a really tough conversation and it uh and and i'm i'm gonna say we have to leave it as an open-ended thing because we're we're over time and uh i pride myself on finishing this within an hour but i knew jay redding was coming on so there was almost <laughs> no chance that was happening uh we'll have, to, we'll have to do it more often i look forward to it jay and uh so let's let's go ahead and and, and put that uh, put that in the bucket list for uh, for 2019. I'd I'd love to see being able to use pictures for discs that are in or out of bounds. That's something that I'd love to see. Um, and the reason I think that we can do that is because it is almost universal that someone on the card is going to have a phone with them where they can take a picture. Um, yeah, and that's going to be tricky because it's it's not is it in or out of bounds because that's what the group is for. And if the group cannot make a decision of whether that disc is physically inbounds or out of bounds, then they're inbounds. I mean, it's, you know, well, it's going to no. be a, a tie goes to the runner. It's going to be, it's going to be questions on course layout and OB areas being defined okay. rather than black and white is, are they in, are they out? You're, you're a hundred percent correct. It is not a, you're not looking straight down on the disc trying to decide if it's on the line or not. It's, Thank it's you. not that it's, it's the definition of an area in general. That, that, that would, I would be agreeable to, but we have a whole committee and you also have to understand that the committee <clears throat> only makes suggestions to the board of directors and ultimately they wield the, the, the power. Uh, absolutely. Um, so I will agree. I will understand that this has not been pushed through yet. 
Is that correct? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> you, you didn't laugh quickly enough for that. It was very awkward to me, uh, but that's a fine thing. So this has not been pushed through yet, and it may never get pushed through because there's other considerations. But from my simple point of view, um, I would love it if I didn't have to walk down to hole seven. And uh, and I'll close by telling a fun story uh, at the Vibram Open. Uh, the course has changed over the course of the last 15 years. And uh, if you can think of hole six, the, the tight one going down the with the OB of wall. Course. Yeah, OB wall on the right and the kind of the swampy pond on the left. And the basket used to be off to the left of that near the, near the pond. And we had an OB rope that defined where the OB was. And I guess that year the, the pond was very low. And, uh, and then the next year the pond was higher and we restrung the rope and the pond never got down to that level again until a couple of years ago. Mm. And somebody landed well in the pond. They were, you know, five, five, six feet off the edge of the pond, uh, in, in the pond. And they said, but I went to retrieve my disc and there was a rope about a foot past my disc. <laughs> <laughs> what are you serious and like i went i actually walked down there and they said it was right here and they showed me where the rope is and it was a rope from 12 years ago and i was like okay you're well out of bounds and i'm just gonna rip this rope up right now <laughs> like well, that's yeah, as, as you know in your experience if it uh, if it can't happen it will happen and you know that's some of the beauty and adventure of our sport too i mean you know I don't think we. I don't think we really do want the the, the cookie cutter aspect of uh, having, uh, you know. And here, I guess here's my opinion on on golf courses all the time. Um, you know, I, I I just I think we need to maintain um, that mix. And uh, you, I think you talked about it not too long ago. Um, I would be one of those players that uh, uh, is being pushed out of the high level competition. Uh, solely because uh i'm not blessed with a, a far throw yeah uh, you know due to a lot of factors but uh it, you know if you cannot throw 450 feet accurately on the disc golf pro tour you're pretty much uh, going for the experience and uh and you know and the support so uh we talked with that i think it was last week it might have been two weeks ago with drew gibson and uh and the question that i posed to him was uh, is this something I should be concerned about? And he said, for the time being, for the next five to 10 years, yes, you should be concerned about that and try not to get courses too long. But in five to 10 years, when those of us who came up with the game were, I, when I started playing 300 feet was an unimaginable drive. Um, that was the, that was the longest hole in the course. Yeah. And, uh, this is back in the eighties. And, um, and I could throw about 350 back then. And it was, I had a significant advantage and now I can throw about 340 and I don't have an advantage at all. I'm, I'm the shortest throwing person in the world. Um, and I, as I demonstrated at GBO, I cannot compete on that level anymore. But, uh, and, uh, and he said, realistically, once, once the pro tour has happened for a while, five to 10 years, uh, then the players coming in have that expectation that they have to throw 450 or 500. But until then we're in this really awkward transition phase where some of the courses require the big throws and some of the courses don't. And it's, uh, 
it it is a, a sticky wicket. There's a lot of them. Uh, it, that's what happens when you have a nascent sport. That's right. That's right. And I, and I think hopefully the B tiers and stuff will still stick around and kind of uh, showcase some of their local courses and things. But uh, I'll give props to uh, Smuggler's Notch as being the place where I came in for the first time and was like, this is it. Yeah. Here's one course booming, but yet risk reward with OBs. Here's another course that complements it, that that power is good, but now the risk factor goes way up and the guys that actually can shape and control shots have the advantage there. So right. it, that's a, the, the, the pro world championships will be a, an awesome uh, venture in that uh, experiment right there. Hundred percent agree, and uh, GMC. It's really interesting because I am a, a strong advocate of having one course per Pro Tour event. Uh, the Memorial went went down from three three courses down to two. A lot of that, I, I think, some of that was was prompting from me, and some of that was them trying to just bring things in uh, more. But uh, when I look at all the courses, I've I've tried really hard to make sure we just have one course. And when I talk to Jeff Spring at GMC, I'm just like, no, you can have two because it's yeah. what you're doing is perfect. It is it is a rare special place, and you're totally on the right track with the one course. I mean, uh, now that we're getting up to ten thousand, um, you know, feet easily, you know, we, we got to treat our athletes like athletes. Uh, we want to, this is a lifetime activity, uh, but anytime we're we're pumping out 450, 500 foot shots again and again and again with multiple days of practice plus driving hundreds of miles in between. Yep. We, we got to maintain the bodies. We want, we want all of our great young pros to uh, be great older pros as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is the key because then we can watch them for a long time and we can root for them for a long time. And uh, when, when Paul Macbeth in 10 years uh, makes a run at a pro tour event or a world championship, uh, it's going to be really exciting to see him competing with these kids who are half his age. And, yeah, absolutely. So let's see, you, you told me to have a story, but I'll let you pick the subject matter. I've got, of course, all kinds of, but I'll, I'll end with just a, a quick one. If you want, I would love to hear your story. Thank you very much. And I think this is going to be a great way to close out the show. Well, you, you choose the subject matter. <clears throat> uh, I would like to hear a story uh, I just heard a story at dinner tonight about a couple of kids that was very, very funny. So I'd like to hear a story about some kids that you've uh, that you've either taught or interacted with that uh, that entertained you to no end. Uh, OK, I got tons of other way funnier stories. Oh. Kids are kids, right? Uh, hold on. I, I, I get you. Uh, I guess this is one of the more recent ones that, that kind of uh, hit me pretty good uh, in the in the heart. Uh New Zealand disc golf heart. Um, so our uh, our nephews are starting to play, uh, eight years old and five years old, and they participated in their very first disc golf event. Um, that was actually a, a children's event for uh, Becky Zalek Memorial Hall of Famer, uh, incredible voter yep. in Iowa, and uh, they were playing. Uh, you know, of course, and all these kids, and they're just not sure. You know, like they're used to playing with adults, so it's like. I think I'm supposed to be competitive, but yet I want to pick flowers at the same time that I'm supposed to be focusing and all these things. And one of the kids uh, kept on using this this putter, and he, he he started going like, I really love this putter. This is a Yeti Aviar. And so my little nephew of five 
of course, uh, he kept on trying to tell the kid, oh, well, yeah, that's my uncle. <laughs> you know, and the kids didn't even really register, but then he would say it again, you know, and finally, uh, <laughs> Zeke got to the point where he was just like, he's my uncle, not your uncle. My uncle is Yeti Pro Aviar. Looked <laughs> 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 at the disc and kind of was like, all right, so you're saying your uncle's a disc. I, I don't quite get it, but I mean, it, you know, out of the mouths of babes and, uh, yeah. you know, that's just funny, funny stuff. I mean, the, so the, that, that's the, the last kid, uh, you know, good story. <laughs> I guess. The, the beauty of that to me is as a, as a kid and as an adult, uh, when someone doesn't understand what you're saying or you say a, a joke that you think is funny and they don't, you just say it again <laughs> and again it. and again. That's exactly right. <laughs> You'll get it. I promise you'll get it. It's funny. It's really interesting. Just listen. Uh, Jay, thank you very much. Uh, my best to Des, and uh, you guys enjoy the Texas heat. And uh, I look forward to the next time we run it, our, our paths cross, and uh, I hope it's soon. All right. Good luck out there. Thanks, everybody, for checking in. And uh, with thank you, Jay. Uh, and with that, I'm going to say good night to everybody. This has been an extended version of Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. I hope you have a good night. Throw them straight and sleep well. Mm-hmm.